Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is the video version of my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally uh, aired on Saturday and Sunday, April 16th and 17th, 2011. Uh, you're hearing the best of episodes 761 and 762. Enjoy. Hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about well, tech, of course. Computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the stuff with the chips in it, you know. And uh, if you want to talk about it, I'd like to talk with you about it. That's why I have a phone number. Oh, yeah, we could let the phone ring and I could just gas on for three hours. It wouldn't be hard. I've been known to do so, but I won't today. Phone number is 888 Eight two seven five five three six. Easy to remember. Eighty eight eighty eight. Ask Leo. Same thing. Eighty eight eighty eight. Ask Leo. That's toll free from anywhere in the U.S. And I know we have listeners all over the world. And if you're listening in uh, somewhere outside the U.S., I do encourage you to call and just use Skype or uh, almost any uh, any program with the ability to call a regular phone. We can do Skype's a good choice, and it's free because you're calling a toll free number from anywhere in the U.S., which means you can sit on hold for hours. Which you will, because I just don't talk very fast, I guess. So did you uh, see, the, um, see the story this week? Well, first of all, i got to say I was, I was in um, Las Vegas all week for the National Association of Broadcasters show, which I thought, you know, well, I'm a broadcaster. I'll go to this, but nobody will be interested who's not a professional broadcaster because everything there costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's designed for television and radio stations. For pros, and so there's not going to be, you know, this isn't a consumer electronics show like we cover, cover in January. Well, I was wrong. It isn't. I mean, it is a broadcaster show, understand. But the stuff doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. What's really interesting, and I think kind of uh, revolutionary, is that you're starting to see this broadcast, professional broadcast gear, which is more expensive because it's more robust. It has to, you know, stay on no matter what happens. But you're starting to see it really drop in price dramatically. And stuff that five years ago only a professional could afford, only a television station or radio station could afford, is now truthfully within the reach of a normal person who wants to do their own Internet broadcasting. Which is, by the way, one of the things I do. So I was, I was very interested in that. Uh, a company called Blackmagic, for instance, had a... A mixer, a video switcher. You know, normally these video switchers, if you go to a television studio, you'll see a lot of gear. I mean, they're big. And you'll see a lot of people. And big, you know, Grass Valley switchers and Chirons and tape machines. It's, very, it's a very elaborate thing. It's about a million dollars, you know, ballpark, to build a television broadcast studio. These guys, for $1,000, made a hardware switcher. It takes four... HDMI inputs, which means you can use consumer 
camcorders with HDMI out and get high def signals into them. So for something around five grand, you can build a high def television studio. It does have, yes, it has the the, the chirons, the lower thirds, it has transitions. It does all the fancy things that a television switcher will do for a thousand dollars. High def. Pretty amazing. And you know, you don't have to spend a million bucks on a set and lights. <laughs> As I'm learning. <laughs> you can you can do it cheap. Just go down to the hardware store, buy some lights, maybe some uh put you know, you want to soften it, right? So you can put some it's funny because you'll go in the at a show like this, there are big companies uh that are like Chimera and uh and others that are all, you know, out of, you know, Kino Flow, they they have very expensive lighting systems. I mean tens of thousands of dollars. And then but you can also go to the hardware store and you can build a soft box with uh, with regular lights and it works fine. In fact, you know, I'm uh, we do a lot of video uh my I do about 40 hours of video a week on my internet broadcasting. I mean, I say basically an internet TV station it's called Twit. It stands for this week in tech. I know what you're thinking. It stands for this week in tech, really. And uh, we do it out of a, I couldn't afford a set. So what did I do? Well, I found a really cool looking cottage with a lot of paneling and stuff. And we, you know, I hung up some red velvet drapes and I put some tchotchkes behind me. And now it's a set. It's not a, it's not a great set. But the price is right. <laughs> we're, we're in the process of uh, foolish me. I thought, how hard could this be? Uh, what, what excites me, I think, is that... Uh, it's very democratizing. You know, in the old days, if you wanted to get on radio or TV, if you wanted to do radio or TV, you either had to have a ton of money, I mean hundreds of millions of dollars, or you had to know somebody who had that much money, or you had to convince them that you were worthy of putting on the air. And if you said anything they didn't like, well, bye-bye. And, of course, we all know many, many, many television, radio personalities who just, boom, they're gone because they said something the money bags didn't like. And think of countries like Egypt and Syria and, and uh, Yemen and Libya, where the government controls all that stuff, right? You say something the government doesn't like, boom, you're gone. I spoke two years ago at a, a conference, a TEDx conference in Dubai. And what I said then, and it's even more true now, is the new media, the internet media, the internet distributed audio and video that's so easy and affordable and accessible for everybody is even more important to the Middle East. Boy, this was before the revolution uh, happened in Syria and then Egypt and Tunisia. And I said, uh, this, this is a chance for you to, to tell your story to the world. To let, I, I wasn't really thinking of organizing to overthrow, but to tell your story to the world and to, for the world to hear your story without being filtered by your government and other governments and or even just big-time broadcasters. And boy, when you go to a show like the NAB show and you see how affordable even super professional stuff is, of course, you don't even need that. All you need now is a laptop with a, with a built-in camera and a microphone and, uh, and access to the Internet and something like YouTube or Ustream or Justin.tv. And you're a broadcaster for free. Just Internet access and a computer is all you need. What a revolution, and how democratizing, and how exciting, and we're already seeing that, aren't we? We're already seeing that change the world. So I, was, I had a good time at the National Association of Broadcasters, and I thank them for inviting us to cover the show. 
And I'm really glad to see that what was at one time only the province of the very rich or the very lucky like me, 36 years I've been doing this. You know, I never said anything that got anybody mad, I guess. Um, is now available to anybody. And you can say things that will upset people. You can speak truth to power and, and still be on the air. That's very exciting. It becomes about the content now, not about the means of production. If you're, think about it if you're a, music, a musician, if you're a band. You don't have to be a signed band. You can make your own music at home. My kid's doing it upstairs in his bedroom all hours of the day and night. Turn down that noise! Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but that's good, right? He, he doesn't need to go to a... He doesn't, you know, the, it used to be... I, I read the uh, great Keith Richards biography, Life. And, uh, you know, for people like Keith Richards, Bob Dylan, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, ACDC... Metallica, it was all about getting the record label to sign you up because you couldn't afford hundreds of thousands of dollars to make an LP. You couldn't afford the distribution. How would you get it in record stores or get it on radio stations? Well, now you could do all of that for nothing. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. 8888-ASK-LEO. So that's my, those are my uh, short, brief impressions of the uh, NAB show, the National Association of Broadcasters show in Las Vegas. There is, there is much more to talk about, including uh, the FBI shutting down th the three big poker sites. Holy moly. If you have uh, money on account with full tilt poker, poker stars, or absolute poker, I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. The feds have shut them down. They've seized the bank accounts and the website addresses. It's a crime to manage or own a gambling business. But who gets, who ultimately, you know, I'm sure the owners of that have already been taking their money out and putting it in a Swiss bank account. Who really gets screwed by this? Well, if you've been, if you've been gambling there, I guess you. 8888-ASK-LEO. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Your call's coming up next. It's all about the money. Follow the money, baby. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. <sighs> money. FBI shuts down poker sites and online gambling crackdown. You go to fulltiltpoker.com. You'll get a big FBI logo department of justice logo this domain name has been seized by the fbi pursuant to an arrest warrant in rem i don't know what that is sounds like a lawyerese obtained by the u.s attorney's office for the southern district of new york and issued by the united states district court for the southern district of new york section 18 of usc or 18 usc section 1955 conducting financing managing supervising directing or owning all or part of an illegal gambling business is a federal crime criminal penalties of up to 5 years imprisonment and up to $250,000 fine these are all offshore you know and uh you got to be very careful if you own a site like this not to come into the united states because you will get arrested, but these people are smart. They don't come in the United States. They've also kind of gotten around it by creating, for instance, PokerStars.com down, PokerStars.net up because 
You can't bet money on PokerStars.net. And that's the one they advertise on TV. That was their response to the new law. The law that was passed last year in the United States saying it's illegal to gamble, to play poker online. You could go to Las Vegas and play poker. You can go to an Indian casino and play poker. But how dare you? How dare you play poker online? Huh? Almost every town, at least in my area of California, has a poker room that you can legally play poker. But how dare you take money out of the, the pockets of the hard-working men and women who run those card rooms and play online? That does seem a little odd, doesn't it? I have a, I just have the strangest feeling that uh, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, and the Indian casinos probably had a little to do with this law. Don't you think? And I do wonder. I don't. I don't. I'm not stupid. I was in Vegas for five days. I didn't didn't bet a nickel. I'm not stupid. I know it's a it's a it's a con. But if you enjoy it and you know what you're doing, seems to me that uh, you should be allowed to do that. It does seem a little hypocritical, doesn't it? And I really, and you know, I have to say, if you have money on account with these companies, I don't know what you do. It's a little odd. Brian in Thousand Oaks, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Brian. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Here, well, um, here's By the way, somebody just told me, I don't know if this is in the chat room, that Steve Wynn, who runs the Vegas... Uh, hotels, uh, the win and the encore. His net worth went up a quarter of a billion dollars on the stock market yesterday. So, Steve, if Steve if Steve gave a hundred million to Congress, he's still up a hundred fifty million. Good deal, Steve. That's business in America. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. That's okay. So, Google Voice, I love it. I use it as my office or my business cell phone. I put it on my business cards. I have it on my email signature. That way, people can get my business associates get me when I'm mobile, but maybe not on the weekends or on the nights. I can turn it off. I love my- it. I do the same thing. It's an amazing thing. Voice.google.com, and it's free. Exactly. Well, it's it's free until Sprint, who is my carrier. I was traveling last week, and I made a series of phone calls to my business associate to his mobile, and my plan includes mobile-to-mobile free calling. But I, I made those calls, and I initiated them on the Google Voice application on my BlackBerry. Ah. Well, I'll get my bill, and those aren't mobile-to-mobile calls. No, of course not. No, you're using bandwidth. Well, I, but I have an unlimited data package. Did it use data, or did it use phone minutes? Yes, they're saying those are regular phone call minutes. Surprise, not- surprise, surprise. And that's to the tune of three hundred dollars. Whoa! For for overage because I have you know four hundred and fifty anytime right. minutes, unlimited mobile to mobile, and that's where I thought I was doing. I thought I was making mobile to mobile calls. I was calling. I don't my- blame you. It's very confusing. If you look at what Google Voice does, it actually uh, calls a landline. It's using call forwarding, and that's because the carriers would not allow a program on there that used your data and not your minutes. So, so it's a mobile call to Google 
to mobile. That saves you money on international calls because Google then makes those international calls cost less. Well, can I, I mean, nobody's going to take my call at Google, but can I just make that inbound to them a mobile call? Ah, that's Couldn't interesting. Mobile receiving. Wouldn't that call? be cool if you? Know, I guess you've got your five free or whatever. If you made the Google Voice number one of your five free. Yeah, I don't know if I have that option. But I look into it. Absolutely. That's intriguing, idea. isn't it? Now there are. I use Line too, uh, and Skype, and and uh, Fring, and uh, there are other choices, and I believe some of them will use Wi-Fi or three uh, G minutes. Uh, I'm not sure what happens on BlackBerry. What, who's your carrier? Sprint. Sprint. Yeah, my five's T-Mobile, but whatever. Sprint has something like that, right? Where you could initiate a call via Wi-Fi. No, well, <laughs> you know, I got bit by the same thing because uh, T-Mobile, or one of the carriers, I have so many phones, I can never remember who. Maybe it was AT&T. Allowed, allowed you to use your Wi-Fi to make a call. But it counted as minutes. These guys, right. these guys. If there's any, I tell you, the, yeah. the, okay, on a theme here, right? After after the gambling interests buy their members of Congress, then 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 the telecoms arrive. Verizon and AT and T with their big bags of money, and say, hey, by the way, we would appreciate it. <laughs> We would be very happy if you would not interfere with our business, especially that part where we take the customer's money out of their pockets. So I, you know, I think the cell phone companies get away with murder in this country. Uh, yeah. And well, it is their network. So, uh, and because we don't have net neutrality on the network, and thank you, Google, by the way, Google did a deal with the devil, uh, Verizon, and and wrote a, a brief suggesting to Congress that there be net neutrality. That is, this kind of thing would be illegal on land internet, but not on mobile internet. Because Verizon, Verizon wants to make sure that it makes as much money as possible. It's, it, you know, this is, I think, not going to last. I think these guys uh, are holding on to a dead business model as long as they can. But I have to say, yeah, I mean, you've got to look carefully at how these things are made. Google Voice is not VoIP. There is VoIP. That is, using your internet access on your cell phone to make a call. Skype will do that. Make sure that these programs will use 3G. But if you look at the way Google Voice works, and I love Google Voice, and it's really got some convenient features. It's wonderful. The way Google Voice works, it makes a call to Google, a phone call using minutes. Look at line two from Talk To Me, T-O-K-T-U-M-I. I'm pretty sure that they do VoIP. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Kyle, doing such a great job, as always, on a Saturday. He plays, I don't know where he gets the music, but he plays great music for our bumper music. Thank you, Kyle. And I think it's Gina Silvani on the phones today, right? Gina's answering the phones. 8888. Pardon me? Gina Yates. Gina Yates. I knew it was a Gina. 888, that's right, Gina's on vacation. She's like in Egypt now. Crazy person. 8888-ASK. Leo's the number. 888-827-5536. I, too, was confused about what Google Voice were doing until somebody set me straight. I used to call it a VoIP solution. That is, making phone calls using Internet access. And then somebody told me, no, no, it's making a phone call. 
And you can kind of tell when you watch it work. It makes a phone call to Google. Now, you could try to make Google one of your free caller people, whatever it's my five or whatever they call it, and your carrier. But uh, the chat room says, well, you could, but they change that number regularly, so you can't. Remember, Google's just doing what the uh, carriers will let them do. And they want to keep on the good side of the carriers, apparently, so they're, they're playing nice. Carriers don't like the idea of you using cheap you know, data or Wi-Fi free data uh, when you could be using their expensive cell minutes. I, I, well, I don't even know if that's the case, to be honest. I think they make so much money on data plans now that that may not be the case. And, and, I, and how many people use their phone minutes? Because it's mobile-to-mobile -mobile calling is usually free now, and you got your My5. And I, it doesn't look like they're really trying to make money on minutes anymore. They make their money on text messages, data plans, that kind of thing. But for whatever reason, Google Voice does use cell minutes because it's making a phone call to the Google, and the Google completes the call. But there are VoIP solutions for most phones. For a long time, you couldn't get such a thing on a, uh, an Apple iPhone. Apple was you know, really prohibitive on that. But then Skype came along, and uh, it made 3G calls. And I like, I've been playing with Line 2. Line 2 is not free. L-I-N-E, the number 2.com. Well, actually, it is free on a cell. If you're just using your cell, it's free. But it has some additional features. The idea of these systems, uh, uh, basically, is that you have one number that rings all your numbers, and you have a, um, a kind of um, PBX system, so people can track you down. You get visual voicemail. Um, and so the standard Line 2 product, well, I guess it isn't free. It's $9 a month. And then for $15 a month, they have uh, something called Tuck to be Unlimited. that gives you an auto attendant and stuff and a computer phone. You're seeing a lot of these digital uh, technologies now. Now, this, I know when I look at my Line 2 on my, uh, on my iPhone, I have a button that says use the cell or use the uh, data. You know, use, use uh, minutes or use data. So I know that I can I can choose online too. Skype will let you uh, use data, I believe. So let me just let me look let me look to make sure that that's uh, that's true. Yeah, there's a a cell button in the dialer and there's a VoIP button. And if you use the VoIP button, then it's just using your uh, data access. Of course, that's one of the reasons AT&T and others are starting to char charge more, put caps on there. You can't get unlimited data anymore unless you're grandfathered in. So that's probably what's going on. These services are really convenient for other reasons, though. In fact, I, that's great. I must have given out my phone number. <laughs> my phone is now ringing. <laughs> I've done it again, my friends. Somehow, but it's not. I didn't give it out on the air. You're right on the radio. But you see, they have this, uh, have this video feed. I have a spy cam on in the studio, and I guess when I hold up my phone, people see my number somehow. Every time, it starts ringing. Go away! I'm trying to do a show here. I think these things are very convenient because uh, they give you additional features. For instance, Google Voice will uh, allow you, and I, this was what our caller was talking about, allow you to have different responses for different callers. So you have a contact list, and uh, you could say, this person's in the family. This person's a business associate. This is what you do with calls that have no caller ID. This is what you do with calls that have a caller ID, but I don't know them. That kind of thing. You can have different voicemail messages. Confuse the heck out of my wife. 
she called and left a message. And uh, she asked me later, she said, do you say I love you to all of the people who call you and leave a message? I said, no, no, just you. She said, what? I said, well, family members get a different outbound voicemail message than friends, than business associates, than strangers. They all have their own message. What? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. That's one of the reasons, frankly, that I uh, really like Google Voice. It will also uh, transcribe the message and text it to you and email it to you. It will do, there's a lot of little things it'll do. And if you're using an Android phone, I have to look at this, but if you're using an Android phone, you can use Google Voice in lieu of... But yeah, see, it's still making an outbound call. So that's the thing that's a little tricksy. It's a little hard to... It's not obvious. So use Skype. If you want to do uh, VoIP, internet, using your internet data for the phone call... Don't use Google Voice, I guess is the bottom line. And I, and, I, and I think Google probably doesn't make that very clear. Barry in Toluca Lake, California. Hey, Barry, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, how are you? Good, good, good. Been listening to you since uh, 1994. <laughs> wow! You know, I just did a little calculation in my head. This Sunday is the sixth anniversary of the podcast network of Twit. Uh, six years, and that's exactly how long Tech TV was on the air. Six years, 1998 through 2004. So uh, as of this Sunday, Twit will be as old as, in fact, just a little bit older than Tech TV. But what were you watching in 94? It must have been the radio. Was it the radio show? No, listening. I was listening. Gina yeah. Smith. Cool. Gina Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Gina Smith, John C. Dvorak, and I did a radio show. We did, a, and I was doing TV shows in the early '90s too, but they weren't seen by anybody. <laughs> what can I do for you today? Well, I've been with Earthlink that entire time, and wow, you are a loyal customer. <laughs> One of the few. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. So before I switch. Uh, carriers, I want to know how can I determine the, the speed that I'm going to be getting before I, I make the big jump. Well, you, 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 you kind of can, kind of can't. So you want to stay, you're on, are you on dial-up? No, no, I'm on DSL, but um, uh, my new business requires me to, to, to have a, a much quicker speed uploading and downloading now. Right. So there's really, for most people... Only two ways to get internet. I'll, I'll, I'll be generous. I'll say three ways to get internet access. I'll, wait a minute. I'll be really generous. I'll say four ways to get internet access. There is dial-up, and everybody, almost everybody, can do dial-up. I guess if you have a phone line, you can do dial-up. Uh, of course, it's very slow, but it's cheap and it's widely available. And uh, for some people, that's probably all they need if they're just doing occasional emails. Surfing's not great on dial-up, and you certainly wouldn't want to download music. Next step up is to use the same phone line for digital. It's called Digital Subscriber Line, or DSL. Also goes through your phone, the copper on your phone, uh, and has some limitations. It uh, depends on how far the central office is from your house. If you're getting Earthlink DSL, you could, you could ask somebody like DSL Extreme, can I get a higher speed, higher level of speed? But it may be not limited by the, care, by the company, but in fact by the distance from the phone central office. DSL degrades very rapidly after two kilometers to the point where it's unusable after, I don't know, four or five kilometers. 
Uh, then cable is the, is, an, is the third way. And, of course, that is consistent as long as you have cable in your house. Uh, and also dependent. And then the fifth, fourth way is satellite. Let me talk about the pros and cons of each when we come back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Jessica Incovina. Hello, Jessica. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, so, my computer, every time I try to turn it on, it never makes it to the desktop. Instead, a black screen always comes up and a message saying uh, Windows cannot start because the following file is missing or corrupt. And what is the file that's so, missing? Uh, slash Windows slash System 32. Okay. So that's that's yeah. It's a it's. I don't even need to know more than that. It's a it's one of your system files. Um, so there's a couple of possibilities. Most likely, your hard drive is starting to fragment, and the that key file that it needs to boot up is a, is on a sector that's bad, and so it can't read it, so it can't go any farther. There are a couple of things you can do. You can try reinstalling Windows if you have your Windows install disk, and as you get to the you know go through the install disk, when you get right up to the point where it's going to install Windows, it says, "Whoa, you got Windows." You want me to repair this? You can try that. That will, if it's just a file that somehow got damaged by accident, or maybe somebody <laughs> threw it out, that'll repair it, and you should boot all right. So if you've got that Windows, this is why you want a Windows install disk. That's why you want it. Uh, then you can repair it. If, however, the drive is failing, you're going to want to bring it to a shop and have them scan it. They might be able to get your data off, and then you could get a new drive. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. We're talking computers, internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater. I, I, I run off that list each time, and I should probably look and see if there's anything I can check off. I used to say PDAs. Used to say GPS devices. Just check those off. And now, I guess, I shouldn't probably say camcorders, should I? Did you see this? That uh, Cisco, which paid $490 million just four years ago for the Flip company, the Flip Cam, has decided to close its doors. The story of Flip is really amazing. I mean, it was just, a, it was these entrepreneurs in San Francisco who, I think it was probably six years ago came up with the idea of, oh, we could make a really cheap camcorder that would fit in your pocket. John Kaplan is his name. And uh, Pure Digital was the name of the company. And uh, people, you know, make it 120 bucks so the kids might buy it, right? And um, it'd have a USB port on it so you wouldn't need, you know, it'd be very simple to get the video into your computer, um, you know, it was a clever idea. And, of course, it was huge. In fact, as recently as just a couple of months ago, you saw the great flip ads that they were showing on the Super Bowl and elsewhere where there were actually people's flip videos. What a great idea. And, it, in fact, it was such a good idea, and it sold so very well that Kodak and many others made uh, clones of it. They said, oh, this is a good business. Cisco Bonham in... Uh, Two years ago, in 2009, for, I'm sorry, $590 million, more than half a billion dollars. And last year, they sold $400 million worth of flip cams, so it was a good business, but just apparently not good enough for Cisco. 
Cisco's decided that, well, first of all, the business is down. Uh, Cisco doesn't break out the flip sales individually, but they said sales of their consumer products, which isn't, I don't, I think that that's probably it, right? It's fifth was down 15% last quarter. They, you know, people aren't buying flip cams. Why? Because their cell phones have very, very good camcorders in them, and they have kind of all the features of a flip cam. Plus, first of all, you already have it in your pocket. It does shoot high-def video if you have an iPhone or one of the newer Android phones. You've got all this great software on it. I just downloaded a really fun uh, iPhone app that does uh, silent movies. It's called Film Director, and it and it does it in black and white, shaky. You could speed it up a little bit so that it looks like it's a, a silent movie. It even will put a piano theme behind it and title cards. 99 cents for the program, and then you want to add the title cards, another $92. Uh, and, and you already have the iPhone, right? Oh, and you don't have to hook it up via USB. I mean, you can, but you just, you know, if you want to put the movie on YouTube, just press a button and it uploads it. So, of course, the competition was pretty stiff for... The flip cam, they probably were at the end of the line. But I feel bad for the 550 employees who are now out of work. <sighs> and John Kaplan, the guy who created it, said he's very sad. He, he, uh, Kara Swisher from All Things Digital uh, interviewed him at a Starbucks in San Francisco using her flip. She, uses, she interviewed me with a flip. She uses a flip, carries it around, gets these great videos. He said the best moment uh, in the business, seeing uh, Sasha Obama use a flip cam uh, at her father's inauguration on the stage to, to video the inauguration. He's sad because he says, you know, this company, I'm sure there was somebody who would have bought this company from Cisco. I mean, he made his money. He's, he's not hurting or anything. But he's sad because he created something and Cisco couldn't figure out what to do with it. And now 550 people are out of work. So I, I feel bad, too. I think that's... Um, that's a shame. But I think it's also a sign of the time. So cross camcorder off the list. No GPSs, no PDAs, no camcorders. What's next, right? MP3 players, probably. You got a phone. It plays music. What do you need an iPod for? In fact, I think it's probably the case that Apple is not going to do a new iPhone in June this year, as they usually do. By now, we I think we would have heard something. Not from Apple, but the rumor mill would be going crazy. It's dead silent. Uh, I think it's very likely that Apple will hold off on the iPhone 5 till the fall. And instead of announcing a bunch of new iPod models, because let's face it, you don't really need an iPod, do you? Uh, they'll announce the iPhone 5 this fall in the same time that frame that they announced the, uh, the iPods. Maybe they'll you know update the iPods a little bit, but that's not the most important product. So yeah, MP3 players, pretty soon we'll check that off the list. Home theater, I don't think so. No. In fact, that's one of the things I was really impressed with at the NAB show this week. We covered it live on our uh, Twit network uh, all week. In fact, if you want to see some of our coverage, it's on the twit.tv site. Um, I, I expected to see a lot of 3D, as we saw at CES. Remember uh, our CES coverage? It was all 3D TVs. And you know me. I don't like 3D. I think 3D is a gimmick. I don't want to have to watch wear glasses in my house to watch TV. I don't want to have to buy more $150 glasses for everybody who wants to watch TV with me. It makes me kind of queasy anyway. So I'm not a big fan. I think it's a gimmick. Still a gimmick. Maybe in the theaters, but certainly not in the home. Nevertheless, every company is releasing 3D TVs. 
But what I, I was really gratified because one of the things I've been saying is I wish they wouldn't invest so much energy in this 3D technology when there's a technology out there that will make TV so vivid, you'll think it's 3D without wearing any glasses. It'll be so real, you'll think you're watching real life. It's called 4K. And it's, it's essentially four HD screens in one. So it's twice the width and twice the height resolution. And you add to that shooting video or shooting film at 48 frames, double the frame rate, or video at 60 frames, double the frame rate, or 120 frames, double, triple the quadruple the frame rate. And it's so vivid and so real, you don't see any, it's like rock solid. And you know what? You know what? It's the best 3D because your brain makes it 3D. Your brain sees what it's seeing it's as, it, as real life and goes, well, I know there's something behind that because it's real life. A million years of evolution proves it. That's a tiger. I know it. I recognize it. And it's leaping right at me. All you need is realism. So I was very gratified to see at the NAB show that there were every, almost every company was showing, all the big companies were showing 4K displays and 4K cameras. In some cases, 5K, red was showing a 5K camera, a uh, super high-res camera. I mean, it was spectacular. If you saw the video, it was amazing. They had a little movie in the red booth that they shot. In one week, they, they wrote, shot, edited it, and had it put it out in one week from conception to, to release that was stunningly gorgeous. Stunningly gorgeous. And unfortunately, no, you know, but I don't think anybody will see it. They could, they only, they had to show it in this special 4K theater. But boy, you know, you could have fooled me, 3D. <laughs> Who needs glasses? Um, and 4K cameras and, and Sony's showing big, expensive film-style cameras, you know, for movie companies with 4K and more. 8K, there was an 8K camera. So I think, I'm, I'm actually heartened. I think what I've been saying all along, and I figured it out, TV companies just want ex ways to sell you more TVs. So they'll sell you a 3D TV this year. And you watch. A couple of years from now. Oh, 3D, forget it. We got the new thing, 4K. You watch. <laughs> then we can cross 3D TVs off the list. And I'll be celebrating. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's my phone number if you want to talk about that. Or computers, the internet. Pretty soon we won't say computers anymore, will we? Just say tablets. We'll talk about, uh, you, you got a touch tablet, we'll talk about that. The internet, I guess that's here to stay. Cell phones, anything with a chip in it. 8888-ASK-LEO. 888-827-5536. We'll go back to the phones and talk with you next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. <laughs> go, go, go. Bye-bye, Flip. You know, I bought at least two Flips. I bought uh, for my kids. I never used them. Because they had cell phone cameras. In fact, my uh, my uh, business partner's son, Michael, we're having. There's a big parade going on outside. It's Butter and Eggs Day parade in uh, Petaluma. Butter and Eggs Day is the big day they celebrate cows and chickens, I guess. But uh, Michael was out there riding the mechanical bull, and uh, his mom, my business partner Lisa, had her iPhone. That's the Verizon iPhone. Shot video. I'm looking at the video. It's high def. It's gorgeous. Colors are great. Frame rate is great. You don't need a flip. That's better than a flip cam. And you can upload it to Facebook. Do you ever use a flip cam? Yes, but 
You do, but not anymore now. Now that you have the iPhone, I bet you won't. Why? You have it in your pocket. Why carry around a flip cam, too? So, I under, I mean, I completely understand Cisco's rationale, and I understand why the guy who created it says, Oh, they killed my baby. But John, John Kaplan, the, C, the CEO and inventor of the flip cam, let's face it, <laughs> there wasn't much future there, really. But a man, I mean, only in the technology world could you spend $590 million, more than half a billion for a company, and two years later have it be obsolete. It's worth, it, I mean, it was worth $590 million two years ago, and now worth nothing. They made $400 million last year. Now, nothing. What other industry? I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I love tech. You never get bored, that's for sure. Jeff in Van Nuys, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, hi, Leo. Uh, I just wanted to say I was I, I, uh, I was at the NAB show, too. My company, Advantage Video Systems, was there. And I'll tell you, the, the show should be renamed the o OMG show. It's like the only, it is. Your had, jaw uh, drops. You go, oh. Yeah, we had, there was like 90,000 people there at the show. We had 92,000 uh, people who registered, but... It was incredible. Is that uh, the Jeff, Jeff? Do you know if that's the biggest ever? I think it is. Well, I, you know, I, I see, 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 yes, the, the consumer. Oh, it's show much. Is, oh, there are bigger shows. In fact, there was uh, there are bigger shows in CES, but I think it's the biggest the uh, NAB shows ever been. Yeah, well, the NAB show actually used to be really good. I've been doing the NAB show for twenty years, and it used to be like huge, especially when Apple used to be there. Yeah, it, Apple used to go, didn't they? And but Apple doesn't go there because their policy is they have 1.2 million people walking an Apple store every day. So right. that's their trade show. They do a trade show every day in every Apple store. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. And and they're right. Although Apple, it's interesting because you know they're as I you know I know you know this Jeff, but I'll tell the the audience uh, that the Apple of course makes the uh, one of the number one video editor out there for pros called Final Cut Studio. Uh, many, many movies are edited on it. It's, it's, uh, it has, Apple said, something like 60 or 70% market share. And uh, the uh, Final Cut Users Group has a super meet at NAB show every year. They had one this year, and they had scheduled Kevin Smith, a filmmaker, and others. Apple called them up and said, can you bump those guys? We want the whole event. And everybody yeah. said, ooh, what's that going to be? And, in fact, Apple did announce the new Final Cut 10 which they'll ship in June for, instead of $1,299, $299. They're unbundling a lot of the other features. But uh, I think Apple's idea was let's make it, uh, you know high-end video editing available to everybody, which is kind of the trend I thought of the NAB show. Want to hear a about the Final Cut Studio? Yeah. Uh, according to the Apple, Apple they're going to put it on, app, on the App Store. And according to the Apple App Store, any app that you buy on the App Store, you get five downloads. So technically, by the guidelines that you that of uh, the Apple Store, if you pay two ninety nine for Final Cut Studio or Final Cut Pro X, you get five copies. You can have five computers with it on there. You can install it really everywhere, which means an office like mine. By the way, I own five copies of Final Cut Studio at twelve ninety nine a piece because my editors use it. You're absolutely right. Guess what? <laughs> I'll buy one copy. Right, you have five downloads because the Apple the agreement that you signed when you go on the App Store says you get five downloads. If you buy Aperture, you get to do on five computers. I have a feeling, by the way, 
that there's there's fine print that prevents us from doing that. But but no. but, but from a, from a practical point of view, in fact, we won't probably do it because it's probably one user per license, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a business, and I'm you know I'm going to do the right thing. But I think yeah. there will be a lot of schools, a lot of kids, and I think Apple knows that, and Apple doesn't mind because guess what? They love kids growing up to move from iMovie to Final Cut X, Final Cut 10. And use that so that when they get in the workforce, they demand it. That's very, it's a smart move from Apple's point of view. Uh, some of the professionals were worried that because the user interface has changed completely. But my friend Alex Lindsay, who is an expert in this kind of thing, and, and uh, Larry Jordan, also an expert in this kind of thing, were both very excited yeah. saying, no, no, all the features are there. It is a redesigned user interface, but it's for the future, and it's the right thing to do, and they're very excited. Yeah, Larry Jordan was, had a had a great show. I mean, he was on the. You guys were at the front of the front of the South Hall, and he was on the back of the South Hall. I worked with his company. He has a great organization, the the Larry Jordan Biz thing. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. If you're into if people are into editing, he's a, he's a great resource. I agree, and I think that's one of the things that's pretty cool about this generation of the NAB show. It's not just for ABC, CBS, and NBC. There are. For all the editors, I mean, I'll tell you, my company helps lots and lots of editors with with editing suites at their homes, and they just do small projects, and they work on things, and they grow into big, bigger companies. L.A. is full of people who are really smart storytellers who use things like Final Cut, and also Premiere, too, and Avid are, are, are big, huge applications, you know, that, that a lot of, there's a lot of those small editing houses that really, that really flourish because of the people like, you know, Final Cut coming down and Black Magic and Aja and all these other companies that have really low cost but really powerful, you know, projects that things that you can do and then produce stuff and put it on the air. It's it's a revolution, I have to say. Um, and you you hit the nail on the head. You still have to know how to tell a story. That's in some ways the hardest thing, but it means that somebody who is a storyteller who can tell a story who can, you know, has this the skills to uh, write, edit, shoot, light and do all of that stuff, now has access to the tools to do it themselves and distribution, frankly, on the Internet uh, so that they don't need a movie studio anymore. We interviewed the CEO of FunnyOrDie.com. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Dick Glover. And I thought that was, you know, it's really exciting. Here's, here's great artists like Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, who works with him, uh, having a chance. He said the, the, because they could, there's, there's really no risk if it's a flop, they go, well, it's just an internet video, we'll move on. So they can do stuff, they can do passion projects, they, they can do stuff they love. Unlike Hollywood, they don't have to make, you know, $100 million, $200 million to, to do it. And it's very exciting for them because they're artists. And I think anybody who's an artist should be very excited by this. Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking my call. I hear the music, so I know I have to go. <laughs> Jeff, what's your company again? It's Advantage Video Systems, AdvantageVideoSystems.com. Advantage Thanks. Take care, Jeff. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time, yes, indeed, once again, to talk about technology that's not just computers. That's not just the World Wide Web. That's not just Facebook or Twitter. Oh, no, far more than that. A lot of cell phone talk these days because those are the personal computers that uh, everybody's carrying around all the time. We also talk a lot about home theater. In fact, Scott Wilkinson's coming up at 33 after the hour to talk about home theater, answer some of your questions. 
photography, one of my favorite subjects, digital photography, transforming the world. We talk about it all. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number if you want to talk with me, because, of course, I don't want to just sit here and gas on and on by myself. I'd like you to gas on and on with me. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., if you're in Canada or Norway or Sweden or China or Singapore or Israel, we've gotten calls from all those places. You just use Skype out. That's free to call a toll-free number in the U.S. But you need plus one eight 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 two seven five five three six. That's the number you need to call. Oh, I got an invitation. I still don't know if it's a hoax, <laughs> but I think it's real. From the president of France. So the G8 summit is, uh, is coming up in France. It's going to be in Deauville this year in Normandy, uh, end of May. And uh, President Sarkozy, who is the host, that's, you know, France is a host nation. He's the host leader. The G8 is the leaders of the eight developed nations, U.S., Canada, France, Britain, Germany. That's five. I'm sure there are three more that I'm leaving out. Uh, they meet yearly, the G8 summit. You know, that's when they have all the protests and, you know, people go crazy. But it's a, it, these countries do need to talk, especially in the tough economic times, so that uh, they can act in concert to improve the lives of their people, etc., etc. And uh, President Sarkozy, who has kind of a mixed record on Internet issues, I must say, is asking... Uh, technology leaders all over the world to join him in Paris a few days before for something he's calling the EG8 Summit. Jeff Bezos of Amazon, uh, Larry Page, CEO of Google, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, Ev uh, Williams of Twitter, and uh, I, actually, I don't know who was going from Twitter. They, they keep changing the man in charge. It's Dick Costello now. Uh, we'll all be at this EG8 Summit. And... Uh, the theory being that they will have a chance to meet with leaders and tell them what the Internet asks of them, what's right for the Internet. Now, Sarkozy, whose record with net neutrality is pretty poor, he's the one who proposed the three strikes law for uh, people who steal on the Internet, who pirate on the Internet, the law that would, after three uh, accusations, not convictions, but accusations of piracy, would block you from internet use for the rest of your life. That's nice. That's a real nice law. France passed a modified version of that. So his record, his track record, may be a little bit uh, iffy, but I'm welcoming this as a chance to set him straight, as I'm sure some of these other CEOs of tech companies will. I'm very excited about the opportunity, in fact, to, uh, to go to this event. I, may, I don't know. I don't think I'll miss any shows. Uh, he's the, the EG8 is the... 23rd and 24th of May. It's midweek. It's so darn expensive to go to France unless you stay on a Saturday. I guess I might have to spend an extra day in Paris. I don't know. Sorry, honey. Just got to. But uh, what an exciting uh, opportunity. And I do hope that the leaders of these nations listen. Because there is, a, I think, has been up to now a real disconnect between and it's true in the U.S., it's true all over the world, between the interests of the people, that's you and me, and the interests of the movie industry, the record industry, the telephone companies, the wireless carriers. All these big companies would like to control the Internet with an iron fist. 
to keep us from using it in ways they think hurt their business. And of course, politicians are swayed by businesses. The businesses have the money. The businesses give them money. The businesses make them money in taxes. And we, the people, the little people, we just don't stand up too often to be heard. Now, there are a lot more of us than there are of them. And the truth is, politicians serve at our pleasure. They may think Google's important, but Google's only important if we don't stand up and be counted. It's our votes they need. It's our support they need. They work for us. So I want to go there and say, hey, look, sure, uh, the record industry would like you to shut pirates down, but more important to the long-term health of your economy and the future of your people, to democracy in the world, is a free and open Internet. You can see that. You can see it in Egypt. You can see it in Tunisia. You can see it in Yemen. You can see it in Libya. You can see it every day. The free and open Internet promotes democracy, promotes innovation, promotes, frankly, economic growth. It's good for your country. And anything you do to protect these moneyed interests, these content-rich companies, to the detriment of the open Internet is in the long run bad for you, bad for the people. And I, I, I relish the chance to go there and say that. And I hope that I do get to say that. Uh, because, boy, I sure believe in it. So I'm, I'm looking forward. Uh, and, and I think it's actually very encouraging that President Sarkozy has asked these leaders. Uh, Eric Schmidt of Google will be there. He's no longer CEO, but he is chairman of the board. Jack Ma of Alibaba, which is a very big Chinese search engine. Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. And me. I don't know how I got on that list. <laughs> and they may, they may stone me as, <laughs> as I leave, but I can promise you that that's, I'm going to stand up and say it. I'm going to say it loud and clear. And uh, they may not listen to me, but I plan uh, to make sure that they hear it. And I hope they absorb it. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number if you want to talk about uh, that. What you think, what is, what is the best way to run the Internet? Last week, the House of Representatives, and I think the Senate's expected to approve this, passed a law saying the FCC may not enforce its net neutrality regulations. The FCC proposed regulations that would protect a free and open Internet, and the House said no. No, no, we don't, want, we don't want a free and open Internet. Actually, what they said is, of course, it's, it ends up being a political debate, is, oh, the government shouldn't be involved. Let the market rule. But the problem is the government already was in there, made a mess of it. The FCC created these duopolies. We have only, really, in most areas, one or two Internet service providers because the FCC said that the cable companies had a monopoly and the phone companies had a monopoly. So now, if you ask me, the mess having been made by the government must be cleaned up by the government. I don't want government intervening in the Internet, but I don't see any way around it. Maybe the, maybe the best thing the government could do, and maybe the, maybe the Republicans in the House who voted for this uh, law would get behind this, is to create more competition. Maybe the government needs, needs to open up the, uh, you know, the Internet, support new Internet service providers in a... In a town where there are 20 Internet service providers, if one provides true net neutrality, that one's going to get the business. So maybe that's what, because right now with two or three, they all just collude. They say, yeah, 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 
Let's forget that net neutrality thing. That's a bad idea. You, I won't do it if you won't. No, I won't do it. Okay, good. That's why. That's that's what happens when you have monopolies. That's why there's a long-standing tradition in federal law called antitrust. You're not supposed to do that. Ah, uh, let's see. All right, don't you got me started, Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson Jr. House of uh, Representatives. He's a Democrat from Illinois. Says that the iPad is responsible for eliminating thousands of American jobs. <laughs> okay, now I'm mad. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's talk right after this. It's the iPad's fault. Remember, as always at this time, we uh, talk to our friend Scott Wilkinson, editor in chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, columnist for Home Theater Magazine, and a regular on the show to talk about. Home theater. Hey, happy. Uh, is it Passover today or tomorrow? Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure if it starts tonight or tomorrow. We should tomorrow. say Scott's not Jewish. He just likes to eat matzo ball soup. <laughs> so he's having two seders tonight and tomorrow. Tonight is my first seder and tomorrow night also. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be uh, swimming in matzo ball soup. It's going to be great. <laughs> so Scott and I were at the uh, NAB show, the National Association of Broadcasters show this week. And I have to say, you know, we brought, we didn't do it on the radio show, uh, but we did broadcast because it was a midweek uh, show, but we did broadcast right. uh, on the podcast network. I have Twit. Uh, mm -hmm. All day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then most of the day, Thursday, lots mm -hmm. of content. And I was a little nervous because I thought, well, this is a show for pro broadcasters. This isn't a consumer show. This isn't like CES. And, there, I mean, the things we're talking about cost, in some cases, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. You know, Sony's showing a, a camera that's for... Uh, movie makers, you know the the and 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 what is it? The F sixty five. That's it. That's 8, what it is. The F sixty five. Eight K. Is it eight K? It captures. This is interesting. It captures at eight K, which is eight thousand some pixels across by probably four thousand something. The, the down. equivalent of eight HD TV screens on one yes. screen. I mean, that's how high quality it is. Yes, exactly right. However, interestingly, it only outputs at four K. Oh, okay. You know, so the question is, well, why do you capture at 8K then? Well, the reason is that if you capture an image at a higher resolution than it's ultimately going to be, you're going to have a better quality picture right. than if you capture at the resolution you want it to be. So now you might say, well, why would anybody who is interested in consumer electronics be interested in this? Well, for a number of reasons. First of all, we all go to movies. Yes, but it exactly. also tells us kind of where the movie industry is headed in the next yep. few years, yep. uh, where the broadcast industry is headed. And ultimately, this stuff, frankly, does come down to affordable levels. I couldn't be doing the podcast network that I do if it weren't for this broadcast gear becoming more affordable for a, a mere mortal. That's exactly right. And we did see a lot of downward migration of pricing as well. For example, on the show from NAB, for, on our coverage uh, of it, we had somebody from Red Digital Cinema. Now, they make a digital camera called, it used, the, the original one was the Red One, and it's a very popular uh, 4K camera, which is perfectly good for capturing high def because you go from 4K down to 1920 by 1080, which some people call 2K, roughly. Um, and it was relatively inexpensive. Well, at the NAB show, they showed a new camera called the Epic, uh, which records in 5K resolution. And I immediately thought, well, what? Hmm, that's one better than 4K? Are we in, in well, I asked them about that. They spinal said, tap? They said story? because people with... Uh People, when the red came out, the 4K camera came out, quibbled about whether it was truly 
uh, uh, you know, quad res- mm. quad HD resolution. So they said, right. well, okay, take this. We'll make it 5K. <laughs> and now it's at least 4K. Right. And, and uh, the guy from Red told us that the production models, they're not quite into production yet. They do have some prototypes. But the production models are going to be on the order of like $30,000, which sounds like a lot of money. Oh, man. But, but I mean, it's really not. It means, uh, you know, remember uh, 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 Rodriguez, uh, is it Robert Rodriguez? Uh, the, yeah, Robert, uh, yeah, I forget, yeah, I know who you're talking the about. Director, uh, uh, of the director of the Mexico. The Mexican, of the, and he, he, he made that movie by maxing out his credit cards to buy film stock. Right. And now somebody like that, instead of maxing out your card for film stock, spend the same or less on these cameras and get amazing results. You and I, uh, Scott and I went to the Red Booth and uh, went to a, a short film that they made in one week with red, these Red uh, This was cameras. amazing. They made this film specifically and exclusively for NAB, just to show at the show. And they made it in a week. The, the guy who made it conceived it on a Saturday. They, he wrote the script on a Sunday. They shot it they built the sets on a Monday, shot it Tuesday and Wednesday, edited Thursday and Friday, zipped the file over to NAB on on Friday, and, and there it was for the show. And it was incredible. It was amazing. It the was detail, the, the, the precision. Now, we were watching it projected from a Sony 4K projector, which are, these right. are fairly common in theaters now. Most digital theaters are moving to 4K, right? I, I, would, I wouldn't say most of them have 4K yet, but a good number of them do, and Sony is responsible for that. Right. They're really the only company that produces a 4K digital cinema projector and it's now i don't remember how many theaters it's in but it's in quite a few and here's the reason i say i mention all this you know we've spent a lot of time talking about 3d and certainly there were 3d cameras there was a ton of 3d from all the manufacturers but i would say and i thought this was telling that 4k and uh double frame rate 48 frames a second and 60 frames a second yeah got a lot of attention too that's what james cameron wants to in other words move to in other words filmmakers They've, they've absorbed the idea of 3D. They're not against 3D. They're using 3D. But they're also looking at making the movies, the 2D movies, more realistic with higher resolutions and higher frame rates. And, and that's higher what, frame rates. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because in my mind, that's better than 3D. Because your mind makes it 3D because it's so, it's so realistic. You're exactly right. It does. Um, and Cameron, of course, was talking about using the higher frame rates and 3D, combining right. them together. Right. That's fine. Uh, I don't mind that. As long as I get good t- t- 2D 4K with, with <laughs> 60 frames or 48 frames, I'll, I'll take that. You guys can all wear the funny glasses. <laughs> now, I must say, uh, regarding um, uh, the democratization or the lowering price of products, Sony was showing uh, a couple of 3D cameras, one of which is like 3400 bucks, and one was like 1500 bucks. 3D cameras, but would allow you, uh, most hobbyists, or serious hobbyists anyway, or wannabe stereographers, could, could now get into true 3D. Uh, GoPro, did you happen to see the GoPro booth? Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm aware of these cameras. These are the little cameras people wear in their helmets when yeah. they ski or they dive, or you can wear them on other parts of your body. And now they have, a, they have a stereo GoPros, two GoPros which will record 3D of your ski run. <laughs> and that's for like 600 bucks. Yeah. For a stereo rig. Now, it's very limited, of course, but uh, it just shows you where the market is going. Um, another thing I saw that was very interesting, the very last thing on Thursday, you had already left. You, I think you left Wednesday I night. I did, yeah, Wednesday night. 
And uh, we had a wonderful time at the Heil party. Bob Heil threw a big party, and you were there for the first hour, and I was covering it for the second hour. Bob makes all the mics I use. Not yeah, yours, exactly. I notice, but he uses them, but he <laughs> well, makes my mics. I asked him about this at dinner. I said, do you make any USB mics? Because that's what I really need for podcasting. And he said, no, I don't make USB mics. No. So uh, anyway, on Thursday, I was just about to leave town, and I got an email that said, you really should go see this glasses-free 3D, this new, a new glasses-free 3D technology that was being shown at the Threality booth. Now, Threality is a company that makes 3D cameras, professional 3D cameras, and uh, processors and all kinds of stuff for professional 3D um, production. And this company, 3D Fusion, was there showing a glasses-free 3D display. And you and I have, saw that at CES, and I think you would probably agree with me. We were underwhelmed. More than underwhelmed. <laughs> well, it's, you have to stand in a particular place. And, and if you move off axis a little bit, you get weird crosstalk and, and banding issues. Well, this company has solved those problems. I saw an early prototype, admittedly, of, of a 52-inch glasses-free 3D TV that was showing images being shot live just outside the, the, the booth where they were between the... Did you have to stay in a certain spot to see No, it? this is the key. They've eliminated... How are the they doing it? It's a bunch of secret sauce. <laughs> they can't really say, but they are doing a lot of math-based processing. And I, all I know is I walked around that TV from one side to the other, and I could not see a boundary between what are called the viewing cones. Wow. Who makes this? Uh, 3D Fusion. So we'll look for this in the future. Scott Wilkinson, Editor-in-Chief, UltimateAVMag.com. Email him at scott at techguylabs.com. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk about technology, anything with a chip in it. Phone number is 888 5536. That easier to remember, maybe 8888 Ask Leo. The folks at the radio station spent a lot of money for that number, so use it. 88, sure they did. 8888 Ask Leo. Apple's facing a class action lawsuit over. In-app purchases. See, uh, you probably... Uh, no, this is a ridiculous lawsuit, but I understand why it's being filed, and I share the parents' concern. So you probably um, noticed, if you have an iPad or an iPhone, that uh, when you buy an app, it asks you to log in. I think that's good, right? So make sure it's you buying the application. Similarly, many applications allow you within the application, this is something Apple added later, that, to buy additional stuff. Uh, you know, very common if you're doing one of those farming games. They all have the same model. They're free, right? Free until you want some more magic mojo beans or whatever it is. And then, oh, well, we can really speed this along if you would just spend a little cash on some mojo beans. And you do that by, by you know, in, 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 without leaving the application. You don't have to go to the iTunes store in the application. It says buy more juice. And you, you click the button and you spend six bucks and you buy more juice or 60 or more. And you buy more juice. And that's how they make their money. Uh, Smurfs Village and Tapfish do this. And the problem is these games like Smurfs Village are aimed at kids, I guess. 
For instance, in Smurfs Village, uh, if you want to speed things along, you buy some Smurf berries, and you can buy as much as $100 worth. If you are playing the tap fish game, you can buy new fish for your aquarium or food or other accoutrement with fish bucks. Again, in-app purchase. The problem is, if mom or dad has logged in within the last, say, 15 minutes, you're not asked for the password. So the parents who are suing in this class action lawsuit are upset because they provided the login at some point, forgot it, 15 minutes before the 15-minute time limit was up. Junior got a hold of it and bought thousands of dollars worth of fish because Junior didn't know any better. Junior's five years old, and I want a new fish. I want a new fish. I want a new fish. Hey, it's easy. I just clicked a button. They don't, it doesn't, you know, it could be a three-year-old. It doesn't take them long to figure this out. I've watched three-year-olds know how to launch Netflix, watch movies, all this stuff. So um, some parents complaining about this were able to get a, a refund. They have to really yell and complain. But um, they, uh, other parents con contacted Congress. Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, asked the FTC to look into the issue. Markey said, companies shouldn't be able to use Smurfs and snowflakes and zoos as online ATMs pulling money from the pockets of unsuspecting parents. Now, Apple's already fixed this. I think in-store in purchases now require a password every single time. That's how they fixed it. But the FTC is still investigating. If you go into the... Uh, by the way, I, I think there's no merit because if you go into the parental controls on iOS... You can disable in-app purchases. Last month, when they updated to 4.3, then they turned off the 15-minute timer, so every single time you have to re-enter the password. I think Apple has done a good job of protecting parents here. You can only do so much. Is Apple, uh, should, should they pay up? There are other ways around this. In fact, uh, I'm reading an article from Ars Technica, which I really love, their infinite loop column. And uh, Chris Forsman, who says, you know, you could always, and I think this is a good solution, create a separate account for the parents and the kids. You connect the second account, the kid's account, you just don't connect it to a credit card. And you maybe have a monthly allowance. This is what I did with my kids. I gave them 20 bucks a month to buy music because I didn't want them pirating. That's two CDs a month. That's fair, right? And then that's it. So you log, but now they, in order for that to work, you either have to have a separate iPad for the kid. Most people don't do that. Or you have to remember to log out and then give the iPad to the kid. So it's a little complicated. Best solution, I think, is to turn off in-app purchases in the settings of your iPad. Or sue. <laughs> Problem with class action lawsuits, uh, you never make any money. The only people who ever get any money out of that are the lawyers. I have to admit, it's pretty obvious when you create a Smurf game aimed at kids and you allow them to buy $100 worth of Smurf berries in the game that it's a little cynical of the company that makes the Smurf game. And maybe Apple should turn off in-app purchases by default, as uh, Web5476 suggests in our chat room. Uh, but I think a lawsuit over this, that's goofy. David in Long Beach wants to know about presentation software on the iPad. We'll talk about that. And Kevin in New Mexico 
is wondering whether to wait for the latest Motorola droid, the Bionic. I'll talk about that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 88, 88, ask Leo. Kevin in New Mexico is our next caller. Hey, Kevin, Leo Laporte. Thanks, Leo. Um, yeah, I'm just in a quandary here because I'm talking on the original LG Envy phone, which is about, what, four years now? <laughs> yeah. And I remember I the know. Envy. I'm surprised you stuck with it that long. That was a. I found that phone fairly frustrating to use. Yeah, well, yeah, it has. But it, it pretty, it's been very durable. It and is durable? So that's, that's nice, yeah. That, but now, durable enough you know, that it's still around. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, and I'm a Verizon guy, of course. That's what I've got. Um, now, I've been hearing all kinds of things about the Bionic, and I just don't know if I should wait for it or go with the Thunderbolt. I don't know which one's going to be the better. Well, I'm waiting for the Bionic, but i got to tell you, um, the issue, these are both droid phones, the Thunderbolt's current. Uh, it's essentially an Evo uh, uh, which is the Sprint phone. It's a 4.3 screen. I love those big screens. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of the... It's got an 8-megapixel camera. I'm a big fan of HTC's... Uh, you know, every... It's sad, but every handset manufacturer seems to have to somehow put their own stamp on these things. And uh, I like HTC's uh, stamp as opposed to Motorola Blur, which I'm not as crazy about. Um, but the Bionic is going to have one big advantage. It's going to be dual processor. Right. And I think that that's going to be pretty sweet. What we don't know, and it's a big issue, is what the battery life is going to look like. Frankly, I didn't, the Thunderbolt battery life is pretty bad. Uh, the Droid Bionic, we don't know because it's not out yet. And so nobody can, nobody's been able to test it. You know, the manufacturer will say one thing. Uh, but we don't know. Um, so I know they, they increased the battery size or something compared to, like, the, the, the X. Well, they have to. <laughs> it's got a dual processors, a 4.3-inch screen. It thing is uh, is sucking down the juice. Oh, I'm sure. So, and really, the display is what uses up all the battery. Uh, the both the Evo, the Droid X, all these 4.3-inch. 4, 4 I love a 4.3-inch display. I love it because I love all that real estate. It's easy to read. It's just great. But it really, uh, the the screen really eats uh, juice. Now we're yeah. hearing, according to um, uh, some leaks that June 9th will be the day for the Bionic. Thank you to uh, Chai Mike in the chat room for passing along that link. So we, that was my next question. Yeah, that's 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 soon. That's not too long to wait, but it is a couple of months. Yeah. So well, I, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, you have got the Thunderbolt in hand, or the you know the single processor in hand or the two processors in the bush and i don't know what you should wait for it's given that we just don't know what the battery life will be it's it can't be wor let's put it this way it can't be worse than the thunderbolt right do you do you uh, it, if your use is that you want to go uh, you know 8 to 10 hours without plugging it in i i i don't think that's a good choice but if you are, and as I am, I'm always near a charger, either in the car or in the office or at home. So I just plug it in. I don't need to go more than a few hours with that between charges. So I, that's not as much of a concern for me, except when I'm on the road. Yeah, that's not an issue with me because I'm always on the road. So I've always got, to, you know, as long as I've got a, a car charger, I'm good to go. Right. So it doesn't matter to me. 
Yeah. So I just, I just don't, I can't, I don't have the information to give you the right answer on this, but I am waiting. I didn't, I did not buy a Thunderbolt. I don't have, currently I have a Verizon account with no phone. I lent my Droid X to one of my employees who promptly lost it. <laughs> and so I'm without a Verizon phone and I'm eyeing this Thunderbolt. It looks great, but I think I'll wait. I think I will too. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Leo. Hey, thanks for the call. Yeah, you've been waiting two, what, how many years? Five years? <laughs> how long have you had that envy? You can, wait a, you can wait two more months. And, you know, the neat thing about Android phones, and I know this is one of the things that drives people crazy about Android phones, but the neat thing is if you don't like the current crop, there'll be, it's like a, you know, the city bus. There'll be another one along in a minute. They're, they, uh, this is the, both the plus and the negative of the Android phones. You know, the iPhone... I don't think we're going to see an iPhone this June. I think it will have been 18 months between iPhones. So it's an easy thing. If you want an iPhone, you're going to get an iPhone 4. A little more complicated if you're buying an Android phone because there are numerous manufacturers, all with different features, and it's kind of hard to decide uh, uh, you know, which one you want and so forth. The good news, in my opinion now, is that you know, for a while when the iPhone was completely dominant, uh, you had no choice of carrier. You go with AT&T. Now you can go with AT&T or Verizon. The good news is because Android phones are on all the carriers, every one of them, you can choose the carrier first, which is really what you should do. It should be based on how well a carrier works in your neck of the woods. That's really how you should choose a phone. Then, you know, once you decide, oh, AT&T's best here or Verizon's best here, then, or Sprint's best here, or T-Mobile's best here, then you can decide... Uh, which phone, and you you know you, you you choose the carrier first. That's how you should do it. I like that kind of a choice, but I know consumers go, oh, it's overwhelming. There's too many choices, and so it, that could be a, a knock against it as well. I prefer choice. It's a very similar to the PC versus the Mac marketplace, isn't it? Uh, with a PC, you have a huge variety of choices. If you want to run Windows, you can get it from hundreds, thousands of manufacturers. You want to run OS 10, you're going to get an Apple. Eddie in Saugus, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Hey, I, I got a little situation in my home. Um, I've got people coming usually on a, a day before uh, a non-school day, and they'll ring our bell and run away. <laughs> it's up. Do you, do, do, you, do you get toilet papered as well? Do I what? You get TP'd? We got, I have a, I, when I had a kid in middle school, he's a little older now, kids grew out of it. We would get, every weekend, we'd get t toilet paper all over our trees. I would, got to be, I wanted to get a shotgun. I was just so angry. And my wife said, oh, it's funny. It's just teenagers. No, it's not funny. <laughs> I got to clean it up. So well, you want a, a security camera. Yeah, you know, something that'll get a picture of them at least. So if it's some kids in the neighborhood we might recognize, go to their parents and let them deal with them. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> there are a number of choices, of course. Uh, the chat, one of the guys in the chat room says he really likes the QC. That's Q-S-E-E. -E. Uh, it's a little security camera, the built-in light, which I like. Uh, you certainly could tie this to, um, you know, your doorbell. Um, you can, they have two, four, nine, even 16 camera solutions. We get a lot of people who want to do this for a variety of reasons you've got a summer home you're not there all the time uh and there are a lot of good choices um i you know i think drop cam is pretty good um 
Uh, we use a drop cam right now in our studio. You want to see what that looks like? Go to dropcam.com slash demo, and you can see we're doing the studio construction. The nice thing about the drop cam is it's Wi-Fi. It has a microphone, so you can hear as well as see. And best of all, and this might be the solution you want, it records. Uh, if you pay, you have to pay for the amount of recording, but you can go back in time, uh, and that's great. So you know when the doorbell rang, you just rewind the virtual tape on the website and go back. I like that. This one's a little not cheap. I think it's 150 bucks, but I do like the drop cams. Dropcam.com slash demo. You can see them working on our studio, and you can go back in time, which is pretty cool. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. It's the Analog Kid by Rush. Great guitar in there. 8888-ASK-LEO is my number, 888-827-5536. Luis Oliveira at the controls today, piloting the Starship. And Jason's on the phone. Say hi to Jason when you call. And next, John in Ontario, Canada. Hi, John. Leo Laporte here. How are you doing, Leo? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Um, I have an issue with uh, my wife took some pictures with my ZIA. Kodak camera. I know how much you love that. Do love that camera. Although now with Flip going out of business, I have to wonder how long Kodak's going to keep making that. Yeah. Maybe it's an opportunity. Yeah, she took some pictures, but she ended up using the video mode. Okay. And I want to know if there's any way to take uh, stills from those videos. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Windows or Mac? Uh, Windows. Um, there are, you know, many of the programs that you would use to play back that video will allow you to capture a frame from that. Of course, the easiest thing to do, it's not going to be super high quality, but the easiest thing to do would be to uh, just do a screen grab from, uh, you know, press uh, screen capture, the screen capture button from that window. But there are other programs I use on the Mac. I use QuickTime Pro. That lets me say, you know, when you are watching the video, you nudge it, nudge it, nudge it. Ah, that's a good shot, and you can capture it. It will only be at the resolution that that video was taken in, uh, but that's going to be pretty much the same uh, as what you would have get, uh, what you've gotten if you uh, if you took a, a still picture on on the uh, on the ZI8. So uh, I think that's probably okay. In fact, truthfully, even a screen grab is going to be kind of like that. Maybe the chat room knows of a program on Windows. I would say almost any uh, video player on Windows should allow you to get a. Uh, a frame grab out. VLC is a good one. That's free. The uh, VLC is from Videolan, V-I-D-E-O-L-A-N.org. You're playing back a video, in it, and it plays back almost any kind of video, including the ZI8's video, and then find where you want it, and then just get a frame grab out of it. Okay. Uh, I have one other question. Sure. You're going to be getting the uh, playbook. Will the playbook be able to edit videos? Uh, unclear. I don't know. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, you know, remember that there are a couple of, uh, first of all, uh, the playbook by BlackBerry, which comes out the 19th. I pre-ordered. I hope it arrives on the 19th. I'd love to talk about this next week. Um, comes with some built-in software. I don't believe it has video editing software built in. Even the iPad doesn't. You have to buy iMovie. Um, but I don't know. I didn't play with it long enough to see that part. And... Is it possible for a third party to write a video editing program like iMovie on the iPad? Absolutely. I don't know if somebody will. Uh, you can, if you're an Android developer, you can write, rewrite your programs to work easily on the Playbook. And, in fact, the Playbook has an Android emulator. So uh, it's possible that you could find an Android program that will do it. I will have 
a better idea for you next week after I've played with this. And that's one of the things I'll try right away. If you really, I'll be honest with you, if you want to shoot and edit video, there's no better way to do it than an iPhone or an iPad. I mean, on the device. Of course, the best way to do it is to use a, a camera and edit it on your computer. But, uh, but the iPad really has, that iMovie on the iPad is spectacular. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks for the call. That's really the, the challenge for BlackBerry. There is a competitor. It's pretty doing pretty well right now. It's called the, uh, the iPad. And it's got hundreds of thousands of apps. It's fast. It's easy to use. It's available in a variety of places. I just saw Toys R Us has them. But it's killing jobs. Of course, Jesse Jackson Jr. says it's killing jobs. <laughs> I don't think so. I think this is an amazing tool. I really like the iPad, too. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Now, the video camera on it is terrible. Is it worse than the Flip or the uh, ZI8? Uh, yeah, I think it is. It's kind of an amazing story. I talked about this yesterday. Cisco paid $590 million for Flip. Pure Digital, the company that makes the Flip. $590 million two years ago. This week they decided just to put the company out of business. 550 people out of work. Now that's killing... Now Jesse Jackson Jr., you go after that one. 550 people out of work. Uh, $590 million down the tubes. Uh, they made some money on it. They uh, sold $400 million worth of the cameras last year. But what's happened, truthfully, I think, and I think that you, it's probably just a matter of time but to, before Sony and Kodak and the other companies that make these little handheld video cameras go out of the business, what's happened? Smartphones. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, they are great. You've already got it. It's in your pocket. It shoots really good video. And... Even better, you've got a editing software in there, and you can upload it immediately to YouTube or any other site. So, you know, I, I just got the Vimeo application. It lets me shoot and upload video directly to Vimeo, another website like YouTube. I mean, this is really cool. It's easier than the flip phone. It's as good as the flip phone, and it has more capability than the flip phone. Oh, and it has the thing I like on the ZI8. Actually, Kodak killed this in the most recent ZI8. It has the ability to use an external microphone. That little headphone jack on the iPhone or the iPad can also be used as a microphone. And that's nice. That's really nice. Um, I have a little external microphone that I, that I put on my iPhone. Actually, I bought this crazy thing called an Owly. Um, O-W-L-E. That you put the iPhone into. It has a wide-angle lens that screws onto the front of it. It has a microphone that you put in the side of it. They, you can even it has a it's it's a heavy metal thing, so it's pretty steady. But you can all it has threads for screwing into tripods or monopods, and you can use it. And I've seen a lot of people use the iPhone to shoot videos to do interviews. I used it at the NAB show to get little clips of products and booths. It's pretty remarkable. So no wonder they're uh, a little worried about the flip. I wish that uh, Cisco had tried to sell a company or spin it off or something, find somebody, because it's a shame to lose all those jobs. And I don't think, I think the Flip is still a product with some life in it. It's simple, it's robust, it's cheap. You're not going to give a seven-year-old a iPhone, but you might give a seven-year-old a Flip cam. Marsha Brea, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Marsha. Hi there, Leo. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for calling. Oh, good. So am I. I'm wonderful, too. Well, I should have asked. I apologize. I'm rude. That's okay. I want to give you a quick update. 
I called you last summer and told you about my uh, hearing implant. I told you it was a little computer inside my head. So awesome. In fact, people have asked me many times since then for the website. Can you tell me again the website where you could find out more about this implant? Yes, Envoy, E-N-V-O-Y, medical.com. And you're still happy with it? Well, I have a second one. I am now the first person in the Western United States to have this. So you and got one, is, one in each year? Each year? Each year, yes. Uh, it is amazing. The sound is so natural and clear and crisp. It's just amazing. And you uh, don't work for the Envoy Corporation? No, I get nothing, not a penny. Although they do use you in their uh, in their video, <laughs> which is pretty they cool. Did. Well, yeah. they used a few of us, yes, yeah. but I... Do that because uh, their product is just so awesome and oh, wonderful, and it, it is great. But for the reason I called, I have a brand new Motorola Zoom, which I happen to love. Great. And you don't love it? I, no, I, I didn't say I don't love it. I, I merely said it. Uh, no, I don't think it's as good as the iPad 2, but I know a lot of people who are very happy with it. I am an Android fan. Uh, I think they will fix a lot of the issues with Honeycomb as time goes by. I think right. a, a good a good touch operating system on a tablet is just a breakthrough, whether right. it's whether it's the Zoom, the Playbook, or the iPad. I just think the iPad of the three is probably the winner. Right. Well, I have the Droid X, so it was just sort of natural for me to go to the Zoom. Sure. Uh, and I am looking for the swipe keyboard. Ah. Hang on for a second. I'll talk a little bit about that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. I was talking to Marcia in Brea, California. She just bought a Zoom, X-O-O-M, the Motorola Zoom, which is uh, their tablet running on the Honeycomb operating system um, uh, of Android, Honeycomb version of Android operating system. And it, you're looking for swipe, Marcia? I sure am, because it works so great on the Droid. I love swipe. Now, um, the the Droid comes with Swipe, which is really nice. And in fact, I think that's a that's a really a great additional feature of the Droid X. But in order to get Swipe for other phones, you have to join their beta program. I don't know if they make a tablet version of Swipe, and this is where we get into a little trouble with the Zoom because it's such a big screen. Sometimes uh, companies that make um, products for the smaller screens don't adapt them for the larger screen. So swipe is s w y p e i n c dot com. It's a okay. really it's a great alter. You know, it's funny. Andy Anako, who does our Mac Break Weekly show, and is a big iPhone fan, and has for years dissed Android. Well, he and I have a fight because I love Android, and uh, he recently started playing with, I can't remember if it was a Droid X or something else, but it had Swipe on it. And now he's saying, well, you know, Android's not that bad. I kind of like Swipe. You'll never see Swipe. You'll never see Swipe on uh, iPhone because Apple doesn't let alternative keyboards on. Oh. So you can only get it on an open operating system like Android where you don't have to get the permission of the company. Now, Swipe's business model, uh, it, it was Gina Trapani who turned me on to Swipe. Her, their business model is to get people like Motorola to build it into the phone. 
Uh, I'm kind of surprised Motorola did not build it into the Zoom. It's my thinking that perhaps they didn't because they don't have a tablet version. I noticed that they do offer it on the Samsung Galaxy S, however. So what I would do is go to swipeinc.com. You'll see the uh, swipe beta link in the lower left-hand side. And you okay. can uh, and apply to be part of the beta. What will happen... If your phone came pre-installed with Swipe, do not use this. What will happen is you'll register, and then they'll send you an email. At least this was my experience, saying, welcome to our beta program. And then they give you a link, and you can download it. Let me see here. It says, available for HVGA, WVGA, and FWVGA screen sizes. Uh, oh, they're going to QVGA. So it may be, you'll have to, if you go to Swipe Inc. and look at the... Uh, the resolution, they go up as high as WSVGA, which is 1024 by 600. What is the zoom display? I can't remember. So this is the issue is we'll, you know, and it might look kind of funky on the wrong size display. I tried swipe on a, on a screen size that didn't support and it didn't really work very well. So encourage them. It's a funny company. When, when Gina Trapani talked about this, keyboard uh, they got mad at her <laughs> they said well, we don't want we don't want people putting it on their phones we want to sell it to uh, companies and have them put it on the phones we don't want to support end users and then they decided thought better of it decided to do a beta uh, and allow people to do install it themselves i love it so what's different about swipe well instead of tapping on the keys as you do on an iphone or an android phone tippity tap tippity tap um you swipe you move your finger around. So if you're going to spell love, you start on the L, and then you drag your finger over to the O, then down to the V, and then up to the E, and then you release it. So you, you're drawing a pattern on the screen. It turns out the phone can figure out, based on patterns, what you meant to type. It's actually very clever. If you have a double O, if you want to type Google, put your finger on the G, you go to O, and you go whoop, you go to a little loop-de-loop -loop over the O that says two O's, Back to the G, L, and up to the E, release. Sometimes the keyboard says, well, that could have been four words. It'll show you the words. You pick the one you want. It highlights the one it thinks is the best. Most of the time, it gets it right out of the box. And you can do this much faster than typing. You're drawing on the screen. You only release and uh, tap at the beginning of every word. I love it. I use swipe in all my Android phones. It's so much better. And then when I have to go back to an iPhone and tap, tap, it's, it's, I find it frustrating. So I don't blame you, uh, uh, Marsha, for wanting to get this on your uh, Zoom. It is on the Samsung Galaxy S, which I like a lot. It's one of the reasons I like it. Um, you'll have to join the beta of swipe and see if it'll work on the Zoom. Denise in Santa Clarita, California. Hello, Denise. Leo Laporte, hey. the tech guy. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Well, first thing I want to do is thank you for turning me on to Carbonite. I just heard you talking about it. It's working for you? Well, my daughter and I have uh, a website for embroidery designs. Oh, that's great. What is the name of it? It's Nellie Beans. N as in Nancy, E-L-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. Like jelly beans, but it begins with an N. Right. And we, we digitize artwork into machine embroidery. And so our files, we have tons and tons and tons of files, and each design is in eight different formats. And sure, it's on our server, and we've got it on our computer, and we have it on a, on a, a you know, portable drive, but it's just peace of mind knowing that 
if all of, if everything fails, I've got it on another location. Backup so I, important. Yeah, even if you've got a website, backup is important. You bet. Exactly. And you spend a lot of energy and time. This is your business. You don't want to mess with. It. By the way, cutest website ever. Well, we're actually redesigning it. We're going with the new shopping cart, Presta Shop from uh -huh. France, and we're redesigning the whole thing. And and we love this one too, but it's it's we're just redoing the whole thing. But this carbonite is, I just love it. It just well, does it. I don't even think about it, and and I'm so glad that you you talk about it. And I listened to it, and I thought and thought, and I thought I got to do it. I got to do it. And, and I did it about three months ago, and, and I just love it. It's, I don't even think about it, and, it's, and every now and then I look and make sure it's green, and, yep, it's doing it, and it's doing all the <laughs> That's little great. And it's so, it's so awesome. Well, they just I'm, got an extra ad. I want to send them a bill, will you, Louise? <laughs> got it. <laughs> it really is great. So what can I do for you today? Well, I have a Verizon account, and I've got a storm that was eligible for an upgrade in December, and so I want an iPhone. And and I've been waiting because I good get rid of that storm. I I I don't know how you've survived so long with that thing. I know. I it's know. just an iPhone wannabe. Wait till you get the iPhone. You'll go. Oh, this is what they were going for. My daughter that I do the Nelly beans with, she just got the iPhone on because uh, we share a Verizon account. She's oh my gosh, mom, you got to get it. You yeah, gotta get it. yeah, she's right. I wanted the five. Well, and then now I just heard you say, well. The five might not be coming out for a while. No, the five. No, I wouldn't hold out for the five. It doesn't look like it's going to be out in June. I would. I understand you're waiting, uh, but I think because they introduced it on Verizon just in January, I think that they're not anxious. If the five comes out, it might come out this year, but it'll be later this year. Oh, okay. I wouldn't keep waiting. I'd go out and get it, and and you'd be. I think you'll be very happy with it. I don't anticipate huge jumps. The five will probably have that new processor they put in the iPad too, so it'll be a little bit faster. It might have a better screen, although I don't see how you could get any higher resolution on that screen and still be usable. So I don't I don't anticipate big changes in the five. I think you'll be fine with the four. Well then my other thing is I have Quickly. a touch. Yeah. Your your touch don't worry. Anything you bought on your account transfers right over. All your apps are the same. Leo Laporte the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Last segment of the day of the week. Last few calls. We talked yesterday, I don't want to belabor it, about the FBI closing the poker uh, sites. Full Tilt Poker, Poker Stars. If you go there now, you'll get a big FBI warning. Uh, I, I think this is... Uh, a little disappointing, to be honest. I'm not a gambler. I don't gamble. I was in Vegas for five days, didn't spend one nickel gambling, because I think it's a sucker bet. I don't do it. But if you enjoy it and you do it, it's fine. It's legal all over the country. There's poker houses, poker card uh, card clubs all over, I would say, in every town of this country. There's Indian casinos. There's Las Vegas. There's Atlantic City. If you're a gambler, there are plenty of places to do it. I don't understand why it's okay that that's okay, but not okay to gamble online. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. What? Uh, YouTube's closing. Uh, I mean, sorry, Google's closing Google Video. 
putting all their eggs into the YouTube basket. I hope they let you export the Google video you've got stored there out. There's closing it at the end of the month. That's a shame. There's some great stuff on Google Video. Really good stuff that's not on YouTube, but I guess it makes sense. Why do they need both? But there should be a button you can press if you're an owner of a Google Video account that transfers all your files over to YouTube. Would you please do that, Google? Please? Google's first quarter earnings, not bad. <laughs> uh, 8.5, this is in three months. $8.58 billion in revenue. Almost $3 billion a month. Profit, $2.3 billion. Almost a billion a month in profit. That's a 27% increase over the same quarter last year. But watch this. Analysts thought they'd do better, so the stock will go down. Google revealed some stats for Android app downloads on Android, up 50% from the fourth quarter of 2010. Three billion Android apps installed worldwide. And yes, 350,000 devices being activated. That means being activated means in somebody's hand being used every day. 350,000 new ones. Well, if I do my math correctly, that's uh, something like 10 million new devices a month. Wow! I guess you could say it was a success. Uh, Andrew from Mission Viejo, California, listening on the great KFI. Hi, Andrew. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Thanks for being there. My pleasure. I love this. I, I got the best job in the world. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Say, I had to uh, recently uh, reset uh, my router, and it came back unsecured, and I want to make it secure. And A wireless router? Yes, wireless. Okay, only one. Uh, let me tell you how to secure a wireless router. You're absolutely right to ask this question. First most important thing you do, turn on encryption. There will be several choices. The one to use if you've got it is WPA2. That will require just the first time you log on a password from any computer. After that, the computer remembers it. That's all you need. That keeps people from using your network and from spying on what you're doing. It's great. It also prevents things uh, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, what is the name of that uh, program on Firefox that lets you snoop around? That keeps people from snooping. Good. But that's not all you do. You also want to change the default name and the password so that if somebody should get access to the, the physical hardware, they can't get in there and change things around. You, you also want to turn off the ability to administer it wirelessly. Sometimes they call that WAN administration. You know what? There's no reason anybody out there should be able to log into your router and change settings. Even if you've changed the password, turn off WAN administration. And I personally, this is controversial, but I personally recommend turning off something called UPNP. This is a technology Microsoft created that allows a program running on your computer to open holes in your router's firewall. Uh, the Xbox 360 particularly likes to do this to give it better access. It will complain when you turn off UPnP. Let it. Uh, because it really isn't a safe technology. It's not something you want to do. Yeah, you don't want to... If a bad guy gets... A, you know, you, you click by accident, download a program on your computer. You don't want the bad guy then to be able to configure your router and say, Come on in, guys! That wouldn't be good. So turn off UPnP. Change the name and the password of the router. Turn off WAN administration. Turn on WPA2 networking. Give it a good password. Oh, I meant to talk about this today. When I come back, I'm going to tell you 
the surprising thing I learned about passwords today that you will be happy to hear. If you use Windows, say it with me. You need Nod32 antivirus. So I just read a really interesting article. It's, a, it's pretty technical about passwords. I've always said the best passwords long and random. The problem with long and random, it's hard to remember. Right? So if you are allowed spaces, if you're not, I guess you could use punctuation in a password. But if you're allowed spaces in a password, the truth is three random English words, or if you want to make it easy to remember, three rhyming English words, flip-flop-top are as hard to guess as, a, as an eight-letter completely random password. I'll put, a, I'll put a link in my uh, show notes. Really interesting article. It's a problem with AXZ percent sign exclamation mark dollar sign two is it's a good password but very hard to remember. But rub-a-dub tub, easy to remember, just as hard to brute force. Turns out just as hard to crack. So I'm going to start using uh, real English words in my passwords from now on. This is fantastic. I was just kind of blown away by this article. They do the math, and they've satisfied me by, uh, by looking at the math that actually it, it, it makes sense. One word, no, bad. One English word would be bad because it's easy to do it. Uh, you know, if you use orange, they'll crack it in seconds. Two words, orange potato, pretty hard. Three words, Almost impossible. Don't make it something that somebody could guess, like the name of your, you know, your, your three names, Leo Gordon Laporte. That'd be bad. Make it three kind of random words, or words that make sense to you, perhaps. Yellow potato french fry. That's a good password. That is not a guessable password. And it's a lot easier to remember. The reason being that a hacker can do, uh, you know, a dictionary search for the first word. They can do that in, you know, if, if it's an uncommon word, they could do that in an hour or so. But then you add a second word, they've got to find the first word and then find the second word. That's not twice as long. That's considered geometrically longer. And then to do the same thing for a third word, almost impossible. Hundreds of years to figure out. Wow. Wow. It's changed my whole thinking about passwords. So if you're setting that WPA2 password, it's okay to do rub-a-dub-flub. Don't do rub-a-dub-dub. <laughs> Don't do a phrase that's common. But three random words would be very very good. And if you want, you know, make it really crazy, uh, put uh, percent signs instead of spaces or some random punctuation to make it even harder. Mickey Mouse, not a good password. Mickey Dog Turnip. A very good password. See, you learned something today. Hey, thanks for joining me. I'll see you next week. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great week.